0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: It takes a lot of hard work and guts to make it in Detroit, and no one knows that better than Carhartt. Since 1889, Carhartt's been making the toughest, most trusted gear for anyone who outworks them, because from field to farm and all sites in between, Carhartt's got your back for whatever lies ahead.
0: The date was April 13th, 1993. Opening day at Old Tiger Stadium, the Tigers and the Oakland Athletics. The first day that I, like so many others, got to skip a day of school. It wasn't the first game I attended, but it may have been the most formative. I was young, just a couple weeks from my sixth birthday. I couldn't believe I had just talked my way out of school and into Tiger Stadium. Can you imagine? I'll never forget this game for many reasons. One of them is that the person sitting next to me wore a huge orange sombrero. Made him the talk of the seating section and probably the enemy of whoever was sitting behind him. I remember he had a sign with messages on each side. On one side, the message, welcome back, Gibby. Celebrating the return of Kirk Gibson, who had reunited with the Tigers as a free agent to finish out his playing career. That day I learned all about Gibby's famous battle with Goose Gossage in 1984, not to mention what he did to Dennis Eckersley a few years later in Los Angeles. On the other side of the sign was another message that read, Welcome home, Ernie. I'm pretty sure that was the day I found out who Ernie Harwell was. He had just rejoined Tigers radio after a brief absence. Before the game, the man in the orange sombrero pointed up to the press box to show us where Ernie worked. I waved at a man in the booth. And that person looked down at us and waved right back. I remember saying, I saw Ernie. I saw him before someone corrected me to tell me that it in fact was not Ernie Harwell. The man who waved back was Al Kaline. The game was great. The Tigers won 20-4 to over the Oakland A's. That's a true story. Go look it up. But it wasn't as much the game I remember. It was that in the span of five minutes... I had the most wildly immersive history lesson of Detroit Tigers baseball that a five-year-old could ever have. And it was all thanks to the man in the orange sombrero, my father, Terry. Happy Father's Day, Dad.
2: Hey, this is Dylan Dingler. The Road to Detroit podcast starts right now.
0: Welcome to episode three. Welcome, everybody. It's the Road to Detroit podcast presented by Carhart. Today, we're going to talk to Cody Clements, the Detroit Tigers number 13 prospect, and it is a Father's Day edition of the Road to Detroit podcast. So who better to have on than arguably the most famous dad in the entire Tigers minor league system, Roger Clemens will join us today. Major League Baseball all-century team selection, Roger Clemens, a seven-time Cy Young Award winner. And there's a lot of stuff going on with pitching in Major League Baseball right now. So we're going to talk to Roger about that, get his take on the current state of the game from a pitcher's perspective. Also, talk about his relationship. With his son Cody and all of his kids. Did you know that Roger Clemens has four kids, all boys? Kobe, Casey, Corey, and Cody. They all start with the letter K, and that's in honor of the strikeout. I don't know how he convinced his wife Debbie to go along with that. We're going to find out when we talk to Roger Clemens. And see, this is why this show matters. Rather than sit around talking about what Cody Clemens is doing, We talk to Cody Clemens. And that's why this show is unlike any other that you can find on the Detroit Tigers minor league system. A lot of people will talk about Cody Clemens. We're going to talk to Cody Clemens, and then we take it a step farther. We talk to Roger Clemens as well. It is our first RTD two on one. We'll have Cody and Roger together talking about the other one so we'll get a chance to catch up with both of them simultaneously it's a very special road to detroit presented by carhartt a father's day edition that's coming up in just a little bit but for now let's talk about the newest member of the tigers top 30 somebody we have talked about on this show many times matt manning is in the major leagues two nothing angels man on two outs big pitch right here for matt manning there goes Otani, 2-2, two, two, strike three called. He got it. Perfect fastball, middle of the plate. Taylor Ward takes a called third strike. Third strikeout from Matt Manning ends the fifth. That's Dan Dickerson. You know who that is. Matt Manning goes five innings, giving up two runs, striking out three. And all things considered... That's a really good final stat line. He did give up some hard contact, but when you're going up against Shohei Ohtani and all the focus is on the other side, Matt Manning could have easily had himself a difficult day on the mound. It was not that. It was everything I think you would hope to see from a highly touted prospect making their major league debut. And after the ballgame, Manning said it wasn't quite where he wanted his performance to be, but for a big league debut, he'll take it. It was uh, definitely fun, um, a lot of emotions, and just
1: um, it was uh, just good enough to where I feel good about it, but no, I, there's something that I need to clean up for the next one, and uh, I'm going to go to work in these next uh, couple days and get it right.
0: Manning, the native of Elk Grove, California, got to pitch in front of family and friends, and with this game, the Tigers' big three on the mound, the three that were considered the focal points of the future pitching staff, people we had discussed at length back in 2019, are finally in the big leagues. And you can tell how beneficial it was for them to be in the minors together. They've been feeding off one another for years, and from that perspective, that night was no different.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we're all very uh, close friends, and uh, he uh, watching those guys pitch the last two days, just uh, I really wanted to, to kind of go off what they did and just kind of uh, continue the trend, and hopefully it's a trend for a long time. Just stuff that you can't can't, uh, explain. It's just a a very good feeling.
0: So Matt Manning goes five innings, giving up two runs. It was everything you wanted a big league debut for somebody like Matt Manning to be. Lots to build off of and some confidence going forward. Matt Manning wasn't the only person to have big moments against the Angels last week. 3-3 game. The one-two again, swinging a ground ball, and up the middle into center field, a base hit. Candelario in, right behind him, Willie Castro. Over to third goes Akil Badu. Daz Cameron delivers. Two-run single, and the Tigers take a 5-3 lead here in the 10th. Daz Cameron, another top-10 Tigers prospect with a tie-breaking two-run single in the 10th inning. Helping the Tigers beat the Los Angeles Angels by a score of 5-3. to three. His father, Mike, how perfect on Father's Day, sitting right behind home plate, getting a chance to watch his son come through in the most clutch of situations. Daz's father, Mike, a 16-year Major League veteran, three gold gloves, an all-star in 2001, and one of the very few members of the 250-250 club. Yeah, that's 250 home runs and stolen bases. To really appreciate Mike Cameron, you had to watch him play every single day. He was an outstanding center fielder. But he got to watch his son Daz on Sunday. Those are the graduates of the road to Detroit, if you will. Let's talk about the people still in the undergrad courses. Let's hit the on-ramp. Let's go to Lakeland. The Flying Tigers lost 5 out of 6 to Fort Myers. They have lost 14 out of 18 in the month of June, but a former fourth-round pick out of high school, Kingston Lineac. Remember that name, 2018? Drafted from Mission Hills High School in San Marcos, California, 6-for-14 over his last four games against Fort Myers. He also homered in three straight games while driving in five. So a little bit of hope down in Lakeland. Meanwhile, High A West Michigan, the Whitecaps struggled a bit in East Lake, Ohio. They dropped five out of six against the Lake County Captains. That's the Indians' High A affiliate. They swept Lake County back at home in May. So this time, the Captains kind of gave the Whitecaps a taste of their own medicine. But even within all that, there were a couple of players who played extremely well. On the mound, Bo Brisky, a 27th rounder in 2019, He went five and two-thirds innings, giving up just one earned run while striking out seven. So far this year, three and two on the season, 42 strikeouts in 34 and two-thirds innings, and he's allowed less than one hit or walk per inning. Whip, the famous stat. He's at 0.98. Brendan White, here's an interesting prospect I think we need to start paying attention to. His last 12 innings 12 innings, no runs, 16 strikeouts. He's got a wicked slider that has really just started to take off over the course of the last couple of weeks. The Tigers noticed something with him. He started the season in the White Cats bullpen. They've changed him into a starting pitcher, and he has been nothing short of dominant. On the season, White is 1 0, a 238 ERA, 29 strikeouts, and 22 and two thirds innings, a whip of 1.01. Daniel Cabrera, the Tigers' number five prospect, has a four game hit streak, a double, a triple, a home run during the series against Lake County, and Brian Packard. Yep, that's back now. That's the Packard play. (laughs) Brian Packard, 9 for 23 at the plate. Nearly hit 400 and concluded that six-game series against Lake County by going 4 for 4 at the plate, including a double that hit off the highest part of the wall nearly got out of the ballpark. So, Brian Packard starting to swing it a little bit for West Michigan. Let's go to Double A Erie. The Seawolves, boy, that is the focal point for a lot of big-time Tigers prospects right now. The Seawolves won three out of six at home against Altoona. I swear, asking which SeaWolf is playing the best is like asking someone their favorite ice cream flavor. Riley Green, 10 for his last 19. A double, triple, two home runs, five runs batted in. He came just a single shy of hitting for the cycle back on June 19th. Meanwhile, we also got our first double-A home run for this young man.
2: Lefty deals one-two. Torkelson
0: drives one out to deep left field. That ball's up, and that ball's gone. Touch them all time. Spencer Torkelson, his first double-A home run, gives Erie a two-run lead here in the eighth inning. Yeah, take cover. A torque bomb just went off in Erie. He finished the series against Deltona 5 for 12, 2 doubles, 2 homers, including an opposite field home run, and 5 runs batted in. Meanwhile, Dylan Dingler hit safely in 4 out of 5 games, and Johnny Valenti just continues to keep on hitting. Johnny V, 6 base hits, drove in 3 in the series against the curve. He has a career batting average. Do we realize this? He's got a career average over 320 at the plate. If he keeps hitting everywhere he goes, eventually he's a big leaguer, right? I mean, Johnny Valenti's 25 years old, and I get it. That's a little bit older than you would expect for somebody in A, but he can only play where he's at, and Johnny Valenti has been an outstanding offensive player every single stop through the Tigers minor league system. Paul Richen had his longest start of 2021 back on June 16th, struck out six batters in six innings, didn't walk anybody, and gave up just one earned run. To Toledo we go. The Mudhens lost four of six against the Columbus Clippers, but they continue to have some pieces do well who are pretty close probably to the major league call-up that I'm sure they're hoping for. de Hazes continues to impress, picks up his third win on the year in an 8 shot shutout. He went an inning and two-thirds, striking out a pair. I would have to guess... Considering where the pitching depth is with Detroit right now, I know a lot of guys have been getting hurt as of late, and who knows what's going to happen, but if they have to go back to Toledo for somebody else, I personally wouldn't be surprised if it was on de Jesus. He's 3-0 and this year, a 157 ERA. He struck out 31 batters in 23 innings. At the plate, Jake Robson, five hits, a pair of doubles, and a home run against the Clippers. He's only hitting 385 with an on-base percentage over 500. So Jake Robson's off to a good start after getting back from Team Canada in those Olympic qualifiers. Meanwhile, Cody Clemens he finished the series with seven hits while driving in seven runs, had a double and a pair of home runs. And at the time we got a chance to catch up with Cody, was hitting 300 as a middle infielder, as a second baseman. That is a position that is historically difficult to get high-level offense from. And, of course, we're still waiting to see that continue to progress and continue to develop, but Cody's also been battling some injuries this year. Had a bit of an issue with his left elbow. So the fact that he's coming back, starting to hit his stride here for Toledo, shows that there's still some upside involved there with Cody Clemens, especially considering his offensive ability while playing a position like second base. There's a look at the on-ramp. Our conversation with Cody Clemens and his father, Roger, starts right now. The Road to Detroit podcast, Father's Day edition, continues. The Detroit Tigers might have the most famous dads in all of Major League Baseball. Among the fathers who have had kids in the Tigers system include Of course, Kurt Gibson, who had Cam in the system for a long time. Mike Cameron, whose son Daz is now playing in Detroit. Pedro Martinez has a young son who's in the lower levels of the minor leagues, as well as our next guest. It is a double feature here today. This is an RTD first, a two-on-one of sorts. Tigers number 13 prospect Cody Clemens, I think you know where I'm going with this, is currently hitting 300, which is a great batting average no matter what position you play. But when you're a second baseman, oh, chef's kiss. Cody Clemens, talk to
3: me. You're back. How are you doing? I'm glad to be here.
0: It's good to see you. You know, in this format, I've never introduced one person and then another person. So I feel like one of the guys standing in the middle of a boxing ring, like in this corner. (laughs) Also joining us, best known for being a father of four boys, Kobe, Casey, Corey, and Cody. I guess he's also known as a seven-time Cy Young winner and a member of the Major League Baseball All-Century team, the Rocket himself. Roger Clemens, thank you very much for hanging out with us today.
1: Thanks for asking, Dan it's good to uh go remotely or across the across state lines to be able to see you and the kid every once in a while
0: (laughs) kobe casey Corey, and cody all begin with the letter k explain how you convinced your wife debbie to name all the kids beginning with the k and did you stop at four because you ran out of names
1: (laughs) well yeah the kobe obviously um Uh, was the first K. And then once he came and I had the 20 strikeout game, April, what was it? April 29th, 1986. Uh, Then Corey came along and we had to keep it going, trying to keep like the four letter thing going to, I wanted to make sure all the boys felt equally important. And then uh, we got down to uh, Casey and, uh, and then we got down to Cody and uh, yes, if I had tried to have a, another child and tried for a girl and I'd had a, another boy Dan, I'd be living with you right now. She'd kick me out of the house, probably. So <laughs> it was great. I mean, the four boys have been great together, uh, learning from one another, not only in sports but just about the game of life and being a little bit in the public eye. They've handled it really well. Um, I get uh, just I get wonderful compliments on the boys uh, when they, you know, whatever they're doing, whether working for my foundation or playing ball or out at functions or whatever. I'll get a call from a person or somebody that's just saying just, you know, how how great the boys are uh, away from the field. But I've always been I've always kind of stressed that with the boys uh, on the field. I want them to be very focused and tenacious and then off the field, uh, you know, be a sweetheart and treat everybody like you want to be treated. That's the way my mother and grandmother raised me. And that's the way my boys are.
0: Cody, how ironic is it that your dad ended up as this legendary
3: pitcher, and
0: you and your brothers all
3: ended up as position players? <laughs> yeah, uh, we always talk about it together that we're glad we are hitters, so we don't have to live up to that pitching standard uh, that he left. Um, so it's pretty, it's pretty great to be a hitter, to be honest. <laughs>
0: I remember a day during your time in West Michigan where, Roger, you threw batting practice to Cody. I assume that happened a good bit when you guys were younger and, Cody, you guys and your brothers were growing up. Roger, is that still happening now?
1: Well, my shoulder's not great. The first 15 minutes of batting practice really stinks because it, it does not feel good. I play it off real well, especially when there's cameras around. And... Uh, but yes, when I come into town, they, they just don't think I age, Dan, I guess. I, I and thank goodness for ice. I mean, ice really agrees with my shoulders. So, um, uh, yeah, when I get in town and, uh, if I'm not on the course trying to get a couple of holes in, uh, and Cody or Casey, any of them, they, they pops come over early and throw it to me. I need some good live stuff and I try and get good and loose and throw it to them. And, uh, so yeah, it's fun. It's been going on. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to do it, but uh, when I can, I, I try and get it done.
0: Cody, talk to me about this season. How is the elbow? I know you missed a couple weeks, but you really can't tell based on your start.
3: Yeah, it's good. I mean, it was just a weird freak. Like I dove in the four hole for a ground ball uh, the first game in Toledo, and. I didn't feel anything or nothing it was weird and played the rest of the game and I was a little tight after the game and then uh iced it and came back the next day and it felt kind of like my right elbow because I've had Tommy John on my right elbow already and so I was actually like pretty concerned about it um and then we got the MRI and I had like a little strain and whatnot and Went down to Lakeland rehab for, I think it was like a month and got it back. And, you know, it still feels sore every now and then, but, um, you know, it feels a lot better and I'm glad to be back and playing and healthy. So it's been good. You mentioned you had an elbow strain. A point that I don't think is
0: talked about enough with you, Roger, is that you pitched 24 seasons in Major League Baseball and never once required Tommy John surgery. In today's age, that feels like almost – like a toll every pitcher has to pay at some point in their career. So drop some knowledge for us because I know there are a lot of young pitchers who would love tips on how you pitch nearly a quarter century without ever needing Tommy John.
1: I was uh, obviously fortunate, but I did the work behind the scenes. I did have an impingement in my right shoulder and I went to see an unknown unknown doctor at the time, which is very well known, the best of the best, Dr. James Andrews. And Doc uh, took care of the impingement And I think that's really where I learned about uh, my rotator cuff and uh, the three and five pound exercises I still do today. I take my three pound weights with me on the road when I go play in these uh, celebrity golf tournaments, uh, American Century or the Diamond Resort event. And uh, I get up in the morning and I'm pretty religious with my shoulder work and my elbow work. And uh, like Doc, he says all the time, you know, I did the surgery, but you did all the work to come back from it. Uh, the long toss and the core work has always helped uh, me maintain my fastball until I, you know, got to my 40s where I dropped down to uh, the 91, 92 mile an hour area. But uh, I was a power pitcher even when I had 97, 98, and I'm not a power thrower, so that helped. Uh, the mound size has changed. You know, early in my career, we had a uh, there was really no restrictions on the height of the mound. Uh, and then when it got to mechanics really became essential when they lowered the mounds down to what they were supposed to be I think about 11 inches tall so you're right I see a lot of Tommy Johns you know these guys max effort all the time it's not that I didn't throw max effort I think it's comical so these guys going four innings you know and then looking over their shoulder for help uh the complete games you know when we went out there's, you know, that pitching coach came out to talk to you in the eighth inning. You basically tucked the baseball in your armpit. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't going to get the ball from you. So, um, you know, again, these guys, hopefully they're doing their small muscle work in between starts and, uh, and doing what they, you know, deem necessary to, to stay away from injury because they definitely put a lot of stress on their arms.
0: Conversely, Cody, you did get Tommy John surgery, go figure, but you played through (laughs) it, which to me is just as amazing. How do you do that?
3: Yeah, I mean, honestly, just like what my dad said, you got to kind of stay on top of it all the time. Like you'll never my arm will never be the same again, right? So I have to stay in the weight room and do all my exercises to make sure and maintain the strength behind that ligament. And, you know, the muscles around it, I've learned a lot, you know, I got surgery from Dr. Andrews as well. And he showed me all the things I needed to do to make sure that I wouldn't re injure it and whatnot. So there is a lot of behind the scenes work that, uh, you know, us players do, especially if you're trying to Uh, keep that ligament intact and, you know, create the muscles around it so it doesn't restrain or re-tear. So it's wild. You know, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work that we do. We don't just go out there and play the the three hours of the game. You know, we prepare and have to do this stuff all the time to um, stay healthy for that long of a season.
1: And there's a mental part of that, too, where Cody came back early uh, at Texas uh, to play with his brother Casey. And uh, it was a remarkable the work that Cody put in just to be able to go out there and uh, play with his brother because he wanted to do that. And then, of course, uh, continue that on to his junior year. The junior year he had at the University of Texas was uh, unlike any other in probably 20, 25 years, I think they said. So, you know, again, I, I appreciate, you know, he, Cody being my son, obviously, watching his, his makeup and his, um, you know, how he approaches the game and uh you know how he wants it but he's a professional and, and the way he goes about his work and i think that's what i love as a you know as a not not being a dad but being an outsider looking in i, I get to be the dad until really he asked me a pointy question or two which actually we have a very famous photo of him pitching in high school which uh, nobody sure. will ever see but i never taught him mechanics and it it, it is spot on and uh, But I always told him in college or, you know, when a game gets out of hand, don't tell anybody that you know how to
0: pitch or you're going to be in there. <laughs> <laughs> Cody, the pandemic made things tough on everyone. But did I hear this right? Did you get to play in a league where your brother Kobe actually was your manager?
3: Yeah, we. Uh, it was actually, I mean, it was just a crazy thing. We had to basically start up this league called the Constellation League. Uh, energy league and my dad obviously has ties with the cheerland skeeters uh which is now the triple a affiliate of the astros um and we were just working out over there they were allowing us to get on their field uh to you know take bp or take ground balls outdoors during the pandemic and so we were very fortunate of that and then like it came down to us realizing that we might not have a season and then my dad and mike mike capel uh one of my dad's former teammates at texas who also pitched in the big leagues uh, for, like, the Brewers and the Astros and the Cubs. They got together and talked to the owner. Dad, what was the, the – was it Posner? Who, who's the owner of the Skeeters? I forgot.
1: Uh, Z- uh, Zlotnick. Uh, Zlotnick. It was Kevin, I believe. It was – came in the dugout and said, hey, we're getting these crazy ideas. You know, we got to get these – got to get these minor league guys that are with affiliated teams especially and some of the other guys that just got released and even some ex-big leaguers that got released and caught up in the COVID. We just said. I said, "There's no way these kids can sit 13 months for their development and uh, expect to, you know, develop and and continue to reach for their dreams." So we had to get them on the field. I think we had what do we have? Code close to 100 games, or you got 30,
3: 38? No, no, no. no. We had, we we played for two months, and we played 30, like close to 30 games. I got about around 100 at bats. Uh, it was pretty good because the competition was there. Like the whole, all the rosters were full of um independent ball guys until uh you know the head guys like you know dave littlefield and all these head guys of each affiliated team uh allowed um affiliated players to play in the league and so as soon as they allowed us to play then all those independent ball guys for the most part most of them got released off the rosters and then it filled up with double a triple a you know some low a high A, all from guys that were 21 to 35 basically there was a team, I think we had the youngest team because we kind of, since we kind of had the end with how we were going to kind of create our own team, basically, I contacted a ton of my ex-teammates at Texas who are playing in affiliated baseball to come play. And we had like a full Texas infield and, you know, it was fun, but the other teams had guys that were, you know, you know, the, the Peterson brothers played DJ and Dustin and so we got to see them. Uh, there was a ton of ex-big leaguers. I think Fernando Rodney, Scott Cashmere, like these guys were all in the league. And so it was good. There was a ton of left- hit left-handed left pitching. I got to face a ton of left-handed pitching, which was really good for me. We basically just had a fun time with it. And luckily we, we had one positive COVID test the whole time in two months in the heart, mm-hmm. of, the co- in the heart of the pandemic. So it was really good. They, they handled everything right. And we did all the protocols and it was perfectly fine. This is kind of for both
0: of you. I once asked David Chatt, the Tigers assistant general manager, about why they like to draft kids who had fathers that played in the big leagues. And he said that it's because the game is usually not too big for them. So in your case, Cody, it's not too big for you. You've grown up in locker rooms your entire life, which begs this question. Who was the first player that your dad introduced you to that just totally stopped you in your tracks, just completely took your breath away.
3: I mean, it was so weird growing up, uh, like around all these guys. Like, I, I didn't realize that it was super special at the time because I didn't, I just knew, I didn't even know like my dad was good at baseball. Like, I, to be honest, I was just like, what is, all right, he's going to play. And then we're in the, you know, the players, the family room with all the other kids playing in this playroom. And then he's done. All right, dad, like, let's go home. Like, that's all I really knew. But I mean, I remember being on like a backfield when I was super young, like taking slow ground balls with Derek Jeter. And I thought that was just, I was, at the time, I was like, all right, like this is Derek Jeter. Like I didn't, (laughs) it's so casual to say, but I was like, that, all right, that, looking back, that was obviously sick. But I remember when A Rod, I vividly remember this. I remember when A Rod was like chasing his 500th home run or something like that, or 300th. I don't remember which one it was, but. It was when my brother, because Casey has the same birthday as him, and so we were in the uh, clubhouse after the game, and A-Rod just, like, walked out of the shower, had a towel on. He was just freaking jacked. And I was just like, oh, my God, that guy's huge. And then Casey walks up, and he's like, hey, A-Rod, happy belated birthday. Like, we have the same birthday. And we were like – I was like 10, Casey was 12. And then A-Rod was like, oh, that's awesome. Hey, bad boy, go get those cleats I wore uh, tonight. And he gets the cleats, and he signed – one for Casey and one for me, and I remember that we still have them on like our, you know, on the shelf in our room. But that was pretty vivid memory of mine.
0: <laughs> Imagine seeing Derek Jeter and just being like, "Oh yeah, that's Derek." Yeah, and there's Alex over there, and just kind of yeah. taking it all in stride. I
3: know, I know. It sounds like crazy, but that was just like we. I mean, we just grew up doing that, so it was so normal, I guess. <laughs> Roger, on the flip side, how great was it to be able to give
0: Cody and the rest of your kids the chance to have those experiences?
1: Yeah, I tried. We tried, Dan, uh, we tried to go, you know, we kept our home base here in Houston, Texas. And we tried to not have more than two weeks apart uh, when I was active. And uh, we pretty much kept to that. But I wanted the boys to have the stability here at school in Houston. Um, their games were just as important as, as, as anything going on when they were playing sports. And, uh, so I love that. Um, uh, I, again, I, I love that, that the boys, they're, they compliment me all the time. But when when I played a good game or bad game, when I came home, I, I was their dad. And, um, and that's the same thing when they were growing up playing sports, I really didn't want to coach too much. I wanted, to, I was captain video with the video camera and, uh, I had the medical kit with the band-aids and a, and a towel to wipe the tears away when, you know, somebody got nailed or or hurt. So that was kind of my role. Other than that, I would try and remind the dads how difficult the game is, even when your son's 12, and it looks easy for us, but it's really a fast-paced game on the field. And uh, I still have to remind the dads to this day on that. And But, yeah, having the dragging the boys around with me from ballpark and all-star games and having shagging at all-star games and see the other players – They thought it was cool. And like you said, they didn't really realize how cool it was until they got a little bit older.
0: Roger, I definitely want to give you a chance to speak to this as well. But let's start with you, Cody, because behind every strong father is probably a much stronger mother, or at least there is in my house. So tell me about the role of your mom, Debbie, you know, and what she meant to you and your brothers, especially when dad was on the road.
3: Yeah, no, my mom is... strong mother she uh her and her mom my nana uh basically were always there at home with us raising us you know you know teaching us a bunch of uh aspects of life that i learned you know as a kid um obviously learned a ton from my older brothers kind of watching them go through life i learned a ton from casey and kobe and Corey, all of them but yeah my mom obviously has always been there for us and you know you know cooking meals at home Nana also cooking meals at home for us just uh, taking us to school all that kind of stuff growing up so I mean she's freaking awesome and you know I love I love her a lot and she was great yeah well you better
1: get just we better box that the last comment that he said up sitting by that boy he was bribing mom the big time uh, <laughs> um it's it's funny because uh what's great is milb.com we can watch the games when we're not there so thank goodness for that and uh it's hilarious because the announcer is saying, "Here's Cody Clemens." Even like even when they're on the road for sure, uh, this is Cody Clemens, and yes, the son of Roger Clemens and Deb will be walking by and go, and the son of Debbie Clemens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank goodness they got their speed and and everything else from her. Deb was obviously a very good athlete in her own right and still is on the golf course. She loves playing golf, but yeah, she was as solid as can be here. Um, you know, being my second pitching coach and also, you know, taking care of the boys when, uh, you know, when they would have a tough game or two or something wasn't going right in school or this or that. And then uh, Cody's right. Uh, my mother-in-law, uh, Nana, uh, she was right here and and she's probably the best hitting coach because when they don't swing the bat, when they she's at the game and they're not swinging the bat, you will hear her wherever she's at, hollering at the boys to swing the bat. So it's a good team. Uh, It's just like anything. You have a great team on the field. You have a great team behind behind them uh, off the field.
3: Yeah, I kind of had, after a bad game, It's funny, I would go home and there's my mom and she's like, oh my gosh, honey, you played so great. And then there's Nana in the front seat and she goes, you suck tonight. And I'm like, thanks, man. I know I suck tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: at least you know exactly where everyone's at. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Roger, a, a lot is being made about the foreign substance conversation in baseball right now. And I thought you'd be a good person to ask about this because what strikes me is that you get the impression that, Everybody was using something, even if it was something as simple as sunscreen, which I believe, I kind of think that helps when you're outside in the sun for long periods of time. But I'm sure you've thought about this. Do you empathize with these pitchers?
1: Well, I, again, the guys that use just a, a massive amount, they're doing it, obviously, to do the spin rate and what I call the propeller heads have gotten to the game a little too much. I think it's a disservice. We weren't really worrying about spin rates and everything like that. You know, we're making the ball – you know, you, 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 want, um, uh, you want to be able to locate. Again, I go all the way back to when I was talked to you earlier about being a power pitcher. Uh, my location was number one, uh, movement was two, and velocity was three, really. I, I'm surprised, and I may be off base a little bit, because now I'm hearing that there's a certain type of sunscreen you can't use, and there's a certain kind you can. And, and, if, and if it was up to me, I want to be on the law team, uh, like on the commercials for you see on these commercials on TV with the asbestos and all these these lawyers. Hey, if you're affected by asbestos, I want to be on if you can't use sunscreen because I packed it on to the boys there. And Cody knows he hated it. But when he would go to games from 10 years old to 14 years old or wherever, even in high school, I said, put sunscreen on your ears, your neck and everything. I don't want you to get, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, cancer from the sun, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and if you can't use that now the first guy that gets it is going to sue major league baseball and sue their butts off and i want to be on that law team because it's going to (laughs) be it's it's just going to keep coming but uh i would think that you can use rosin and sunscreen and that's all the tackification that you need and it's really not much now when you talk about uh cody and playing for the detroit tigers you know 24 years dan i probably started i don't know maybe i had 10 to 15 opening day starts, I know for sure four or five of them were in snow flurries. And one of them was in Detroit. It was snowing on opening day. And uh, if you have a glass of really cold ice water with a lot of ice, pick that glass up and hold it. That's what the baseball feels like in your hand. I would imagine if you talk to nine out of 10 hitters with these kids throwing these balls as max effort as hard as they can, I would think that the hitters would say, we we kind of want these guys to have an
3: idea where the ball is going uh, I'm, I'm on that side. Yeah, if you're throwing uh, 104, like uh, who was it last night? Hunter Green was throwing 104 miles an hour last night. If he right. can't grip the ball or know where it's going, I mean, I it's mean, he can use whatever the hell he wants.
1: <laughs> Again, I find it uh, ridiculous. Uh, you know, obviously, you don't you don't want the guys using pine tar and everything else, or they got this spider glue. I don't know what the kids got, but a uh, bottom line is you can. I guess you can't have any dip or chew now either because I can tell you, I won't tell you the guy's name, but way back when in an All-Star game, one guy had looked like a giant jawbreaker in his mouth, and he would spit. He had bubble gum, about four pieces of bubble gum, and he had Levi Garrett wrapped around that, and I didn't realize the combination, how sticky it is. And I would see him put a big glob of spit in his hand and rub every ball up really good when the umpire threw it to him. He left one on the mound when I was my turn to go out there, and I picked it up, and it was like, oh, oh my gosh, it's like Velcro, and that was <laughs> his own spit and everything else from there. I, I don't know; it just it keeps going on and on, but I just don't know how that you you know I pitched in this hot weather that's here, short sleeves. I'm obviously putting sunblock on my neck, ears, and forearms, uh, and then you have rosin. And it did give you enough tackification to throw a baseball. I'm not. You're not spitting on it or throwing spitballs like these other guys and so on and so forth. But uh, I did hear the complaint from one of the uh, pitchers about having to grip the ball tighter, and that's why his arm has been hurt. Has been hurt now, um, so I could relate with that. You definitely don't want to have to over grip the baseball. Your forearm will be locked up in two or three starts in no time. So. I just, again, I haven't looked at the exact rules, but I kind of backtracked a little bit because I heard that there's a certain amount of sunscreen you can't use. And then I guess there's some you can. So I guess it's like anything else. You're going to have to, it's going to have to go be tested. And it's going to, can we use this? We can't use that. Uh, It's going to be a mess. Next problem a long story, uh, long answer, longer. I hit in the National League with a glove on my bottom hand. My throwing hand was bare hand. I'm hitting, I've got four or five inches of pine tar on my bat, you strike me out, I lay my hat my bat down, my helmet and bat down, the bat boy runs me out my glove, I go to the mound, you can throw me out. Of course, I've got pine tar on my hands, I just hit. So unless you're gonna put a Perel station behind the rubber, behind the mound, so I can clean my hands for five minutes, then you, then that begs the question, guess what? I guess the National League's gonna have to get
3: rid of pitchers hitting, so they have a DH. So, uh, there's something like to this. That, that answer might be all over Twitter here in about a day. Yeah, <laughs> well,
1: you
3: go. you're gonna if have there to, was
1: if there know, was every yeah. year that they
3: were gonna put up a sanitizer
0: station, it might yeah. be 2021. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a make it with you got a
1: little like a, a foot press where you press it and it comes up out of the ground and you walk <laughs> over it, it and then you go back, turn around and pitch, that thing goes back down in the ground,
0: <laughs> Roger. Other than the dip bubble gum disgusting combo you just mentioned what was the spider tack of your generation uh, i just think it was pine tar the guys
1: used the guys used pine tar uh to get uh some tactification um, uh, on the earliest days once we knew that you know we could get a little bit better grip on your hands the only other thing and thank goodness the early games i talked about snowing was the empires let us blow on our hands so not only you blow heat in your hands you could blow some moisture in there and try and use that and get the ball. It depends on how the umpires way back when all the umpires have this can of Mississippi mud in the umpires room. And they would know back then the starting pitchers like myself, who had been in the league a long time, obviously as a pitcher, I like the ball rubbed up a little darker, but I don't want you to get mud in the seams. Some of the umpires would get that mud and some, some of the umpires would have chew before the game and they would spit in their hand, get the mud. You think of these days of COVID where all the stuff, you know, we had some pitchers that wouldn't touch another guy's ball if he saw him spit on it, uh, to, you know, just to rub it up. But the umpires rubbed some of them lighter, some of them darker. And then when you go through, say, I don't know, the umpires had to come in early. The home plate umpire rubbed up four dozen, I think. You go through those four dozen pretty quick, then the home bat boy, he knew how you liked them rubbed up. So those were the balls that got put into play from there. They're not – you can't use the ball straight out of the box and take the paper off of them. They're slippery, and you got to get a little bit of the, the uh, film off the baseball uh, or it's really going to be dangerous. Um, when I think about that, I think about it. You look at the NBA. Go all the way back when you've seen Bird and Magic play. Larry Bird, for sure, if you look at the, the basketball they used in the game, it was chocolate. The basketball was chocolate they were shooting. That's how rubbed up that basketball was. He wanted an old school basketball. He didn't want those new brighter orange balls. The basketballs they used back then looked uh, chocolate.
0: Nobody talks about basketball. That's an interesting point. Cody, I'm sure you looked up to your dad quite a bit. I'm sure he was one of your favorite people. Maybe not all the time, but was he your favorite pitcher?
3: Absolutely. I remember, I mean, vividly, all the starts in Houston at home is basically the ones that I remember the most. those were so much fun up in the suite watching him pitch. Uh, you know, he's just dominating everybody. <laughs> so it was obviously super fun to watch. Uh, but yeah, absolutely.
0: I read somewhere recently that a guy who finished last in his fantasy football league had to spend 24 hours inside a waffle house. And for every waffle he ate, an hour came off of his time. What I'm curious to know from you guys. <laughs> what are some of the worst punishments Cody that you or your brothers got from mom and dad as kids
3: for the most part i've i've I watched and me and Casey got to watch Kobe and Corey kind of get punished a little bit more and you know learn from those experiences so to be honest I really wasn't a problem child that much we never really had any punishments. Not really, dad. Like, I don't think I had that many. St- Lord, your punishments st- were
1: so bad. You, you, you couldn't use your PlayStation for 12 hours.
3: <laughs> yeah, no,
1: I don't even think wow. I ever had that. I never even had that. I was never a you, problem child. I can tell you why they got such great arms and, and why they used their arms so well. Cause I remember Casey, I think it was Casey and Cody. I came back and I got, we got a call from the, the local police officers who are great in our neighborhood. They're awesome. And we have lime and lemon trees on property. And there's usually a good twenty on each tree, and we like to cut them and use them in our iced tea. And the, I got word from uh, their mother that uh, police officer knocked on door, said there was a couple green and yellow spears flying over the fence at cars. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so I said, okay, well we'll get them at dinner. So at dinner, I make the comment and tell them to go out and pick me off a couple limes and lemons off the trees for our iced tea. And it, they froze at the dinner table because so they knew there was. <laughs> And uh, so anyway, that, uh, that it, and it's funny how it goes around, because way back when, when I was little, I used to pick the grapes off my grandmother's grapevine and, and whistle them at cars. And she <laughs> and, and, and she would take a switch and hit me in the hamstrings with it and bust my butt. And uh, that didn't feel too good. But she was in Cleveland. They all came to Cleveland to watch me pitch against the Indians. And I think I won my 20th game or something. Bunch of cameras around. But anyway, they found my grandmother stuck a camera in her face. And, you know, my, my mammy, she's like, you know, she's probably 80 and she's like, yeah, I knew that boy was going to be good. I knew he had a good arm on him after throwing all my grapes, you know, you know, so
0: (laughs) out of the bag too. Well, I guess when life gives you lemons, uh, I guess you throw them at cars apparently. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, uh, uh, Cody for you, uh, and, and I stress without naming names, what is something that one of
3: your brothers got away with as a kid? Oh, goodness. Um, it's hilarious how they're grown up that we hear these stories all of a sudden. I know. I feel like the statute think. of limitations has yeah. expired. It has. Yeah. It has. I think some of the things that we, you know, we used to have that ripstick around the house or playing wiffle ball or something in the house and we, you know, hit hit a light or hit a painting off the wall and it shatters and just hang it back up without saying a word and then five years down the road you don't you realize there's no glass in the in the frame and my mom starts yelling at us yeah
0: when mom starts yelling we all run and hide hey roger shohei otani is going to be in the home run derby what's the furthest ball you've ever hit
1: (laughs) well i was a i was an absolute fantastic bunner
3: <laughs> no, he's got a, You you got a fly ball off the wall and at Coors Field, huh? That's right. I almost missed first base because I thought
1: I had a homer there, and then I got the second for the double, and I realized I didn't have any air in my lungs, and because uh, of the thin air up there. And uh, I had one in Shea Stadium and hit the top right center pad at Shea Stadium, but that was as close as I got. But I did hit real well in interleague play, well enough to have a silver bat. <laughs>
0: There you go. That's great. So before we go, make sure you check out Roger's website and all the great work that this family does. RogerClemensFoundation.org, which benefits children's charities and military families, (laughs) uh, among many others. Cody, I recently heard that you and your brothers were once told that you couldn't open Christmas presents until you dropped off presents at the hospital. What do you remember about that?
3: Yeah, we went over uh, to Memorial Herman and just uh, basically gave a bunch of children uh, that were in the hospital presents. Uh, I think it was Christmas morning, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was really, I mean, it's so, so nice to give back to those kids. And, you know, they deserve it as much as we do. And Uh, It's always fun to give back, especially with my dad. You know, those kids' faces brighten up as soon as he walks into the room. And just to get a smile on some of those kids' face just makes your day, makes your year. And so, uh, you know, we do a lot of work with my dad and follow him around doing foundation events and charity events and stuff like that. So it's always fun to give back and do things like that.
0: I know that had to mean
3: a lot for you, Roger, as
0: well. Last one for you, Cody. Since he's here, tell me what your dad means to you.
3: Uh, it means the world to me. Uh, I got this question and, uh, at the college world series, you remember that dad, it was on father's day. Um, no, just everything that I've learned growing up, not only about baseball, but about life, uh, has come from him. Uh, it's come from my brothers as well. You know, he's taught me everything about the game and how to handle myself on and off the field. You know, the countless hours, him and my mom have given to me, um, you know, whether it was taking me to school taking me to summer ball games uh, throughout my you know, teenage years. Um, just the countless hours put, they've put into my life has gotten me to where I am today. Um, and so I'm so grateful and thankful for my dad and my mom and my whole family. So happy Father's Day, biggin'.
0: <laughs> That's it, baby. Roger, same question about Cody. I, I know you've got three other boys, but <laughs> since we're all here today, what's different about your bond with Cody?
1: Yeah. So I have a, 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 solid connection with all the boys and, and then a different one, a little different with each one and, and Cody's makeup and, and just watching him mature, um, you know, what, what he was at, you know, like I said, I think it's really cool when the boys say that uh, they wear the name loud and proud. They're proud of who they are. Um, you know, you get the outsiders that look in and think the boys are something that they're not until they meet them. And then I get the, the best compliment that I always get about the boys and Like I said, I want them, um, you know, standing their ground uh, when they need to, when they know they're right, and um, uh, don't listen to the outside noise when it's there. But uh, be a professional sweetheart, and that will show, you know, show the most. And Cody's just that. Uh, Cody, uh, again, what happened yesterday, good or bad, he knows he's going to go out today. He knows the game of baseball and how the ups and downs are, and that was yesterday. And then today he's going to go out and do something to help his club win. The other thing you'll see about Cody, which I've watched uh, probably since his high school days, definitely through the University of Texas and uh, on to minor league ball, what he's doing now. And I'm sure his teammates will be able to tell you the same thing is that he makes he has fun playing um, and he also makes everybody around him better. I mean, he took the University of Texas team on his shoulders and got him to Omaha somehow. I was amazed and they showed me on camera many times. They're like, Oh, you're not even clapping when he hits home run. I'm like, this kid, this team, I know this coach is trying to pitch around the kid and they're trying to pitch around him and he still hurts their feelings with a long ball. So (laughs) uh, it was, it was nothing but fun to watch. I can't wait to get up to uh, Toledo again, hopefully Detroit soon and and watch him uh, continue to chase his dreams and do his work. I'm just so proud of him. And, um, But he's got the it factor. He's always had it. And like I said, I'll tell you a quick story. I'll tell you that this is coming up for you right here. When he was five years old, maybe six, I had him playing basketball at the Y. We go to the Y on a Saturday in the morning, and you're playing the side basket. So there's two games going on. It's real loud. The coach has got him doing his thing. I'm watching him out there. I got a little headband on him. He looks like Slick Watts or somebody from the Globetrotters out there playing basketball. And he's flying around, gets a steal, runs it down, lays it off the square, two to nothing. They come back down. They try and make a pass. He swoops it out of the air, takes it down all the way down. Boom, lays it off the square, four to nothing. I'm starting to talk to the other parents. They're trying to ask me questions about this or this. And then the head coach, the basketball coach, yells at me across the court, Rocket, where did Cody go? And I go, what are you talking about? i looking at him. We only have four players on the court. And I see the door closing. I see him walking out the door through the parking lot. I run out there and I grab him and I say, "Co, what are you doing? The game's freaking going on. He goes, I'm not playing in this league, Dad. And I go, what's going on? Let's go. He goes, they don't keep score. I'm out of here. I'm not playing. They don't <laughs> keep score. So I said, okay, I get it. So that tells you all I need about the about the kid. They weren't keeping score. I'm not playing. This thing don't count. This is like, this don't even count. So, remember, <laughs> oh, that's, so, that's so good. He didn't walk off. On the, he said, I'm out of here. I'm not playing YMC basketball. Oh,
2: yeah
3: at the YMCA. <laughs> you know Cody, uh since
0: we last talked, I think bat flips are a lot more permissible in today's game. Are we going to see any of those once you finally get up to Detroit?
3: Um I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not there yet. Uh whenever I get there, um you know, once I establish myself a little bit, maybe yeah, but you know, I've only got I've only got one yeah. so far this year. I don't know. I've had 10 11 games cuz I got hurt, but I'm just I'm just keeping my head down just going to, Keep going, and hopefully yeah, at some point this up. year I'll be up there.
1: You got your walk-up music now, guys. Can bat flip? What is this garbage? Hey, you
3: you walked what out. Is... No, you you walked out to Lincoln Park. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> well, you had have, have to do that
1: because
0: it's warm-up time.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You liked it too, dog. Come on.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, again, that website is RogerClemensFoundation.org. Among some of the things you can find in that online shop include the Rocket Man Experience. You can actually get together with Roger. Also, there's a wine in there from a California vineyard. I love this name, Rockets Red Glare. That is awesome. Uh, Again, go online. You can find out a lot more information about how to help children and obviously military families among many others. Guys, thank you very much, both of you so much. Keep up the good work, Cody. Roger, happy Father's Day. Thank you very much, Dan, I appreciate it. Appreciate it, Dan. Thank you. That is Cody and Roger Clemens on the road to Detroit. It is now time for best in class. Of all the players in the Tigers minor league system, this one made the most noise.
2: Beto kicks
0: and fires. Green shoots it to left. On the run is Smith and Jigba. He's looking up. That ball's gone. Touch of all time, Riley Green. He goes the opposite wave with his eighth home run of the season. You know, something that's starting to happen with Riley Green means more than just the simple numbers. And the numbers are outstanding. So far this year for Riley Green a batting average over 280, an on-base percentage nearly at 400. But when you look a little bit closer, you start to figure out why he's having this success and why that could continue to progress up the ladder and watch him get better and even build on the numbers he's producing now. Here's one of them. How about the fact that he's hitting the ball to the opposite field? When he was a single away from hitting for the cycle last week, all of his base hits went to the opposite field. How can you shift in the game of 2021 baseball, where you put everybody on one side of the field when a guy hits the ball the other way? You have to play him straight up. You can't shift on somebody like Riley Green. That's the first thing. Secondly, and this is one of the stats about Riley I think we need to start paying more attention to, how about the splits versus left-handed pitchers and versus right-handed hitters? Riley Green is a left-handed hitter. Historically, left-handed hitters struggle against left-handed pitching. They are successful more often against right-handed pitchers. This year against righties, Riley Green is holding his own. A two hundred fifty average, he has hit six of his eight home runs. But against lefties, the pitchers that get brought into the games specifically designed to get Riley Green out, 370. A five hundred on base percentage. This 20-year-old is raking against left-handed pitching. This is a big deal. This is going to sustain him through these levels of the minor leagues. You know, a couple of years ago, we talked a lot about Casey Mize and Tarek Skubal and Matt Manning. This is going to be the season of Green, of Torkelson, and of Dingler. And today, we're giving you the reasons why Riley Green is having all this success as just a 20-year-old playing in Double A. Not something that happens very often. Riley Green probably the first of many best-in-class awards. He is dominating at a very high level. Congratulations to Riley Green. I'm sure a man who would be very happy for Riley Green is Dylan Rosa. Our Dylan Rosa award winner for the honorable mention category. By the way... Nate Wangler, who's going to give us the Dylan Rosa award winner. Did you see Dylan Rosa got moved up to AAA Toledo today? I did. Congratulations. Congrats to Dylan Rosa. You know what? Just just very quietly <laughs> making his plan for world domination. and right. None of us have even seen it coming.
2: Well, we keep saying he's second best, so he's angry. He wants to prove everyone wrong.
0: <laughs> now he gets a chance in Toledo, and you know what? If anybody deserves it, it's Dylan Rosa. So congratulations. We don't talk about Dylan Rosa's accomplishments enough on this show. Who is the Dylan Rosa Honorable Mention Award winner this week for best in class, Nate Wangler?
2: I went back and forth between a couple of guys. You could have made an argument for Spencer Torkelson with this couple of home runs. You could have made an argument for Cody Clemens with how hot he's been at the plate. But this week, it's Ruben Garcia. Bullpen arms on back to back weeks. Last week we talked to you about Yaya Shentouf. This week it's the 24 year old native out of Port St. Lucie, acquired in round one of the minor league phase of the Rule 5 draft in 2019. And he's done admirably, really, in 2021. 2 0, 208 ERA, 27 strikeouts through 21 and two thirds. And he's just an exciting player to watch. I could really see him sliding into a late relief role or potentially a closing role at some point, and he's dominating at Erie right now.
0: I can tell you this. We got a very brief glimpse of Ruben Garcia in West Michigan, and I can unequivocally tell you that there is nobody I would want to face less among pitchers in the Tiger system out of a bullpen right now than Ruben Garcia He makes me nervous, and that's kind of what you want if you're on the pitching side. You want guys to be uncomfortable. That's the one thing I can guarantee you because he is the Rick Vaughn of the Detroit Tigers minor league system. He's the wild thing. He's the one coming out of the bullpen, and he's the one I'm sure he'll – I don't know if he'll have a leather jacket on, but I do know that when guys come up to the plate, they don't know if the ball's going to be headed on the outside corner or off the back of their jersey. I just, You just don't know. It's uncomfortable, and at the end of the day, you're still trying to put a ball in play. And when it's that unexpected, I think Ruben Garcia knows that he can use that to his advantage. And so far, the numbers he put up in West Michigan were good. The numbers he's posted in Erie are even better. So congratulations to Ruben Garcia. That's best in class. Let's take a look at the road ahead. For Lakeland, the Low-A Flying Tigers host Tampa for a six-game series. That's the Yankees' Low-A affiliate. Meanwhile, the Whitecaps head home in West Michigan. Six-game stretch against the first-place Dayton Dragons. That's the Cincinnati Reds. High A Club. As for Erie, they hit the road. They're going up against Akron in seven games, a doubleheader slated for the 23rd, and Toledo. They're going to be home for a while. They've got two straight series at home, and because of the minor league's 2021 setup, if you have two series, that means you have a pair of six-game series with two off days built in. So they will host 12 straight first against the Memphis Redbirds, then they welcome the Columbus Clippers for a six-game series. And that is the road ahead. My thanks to Cody Clemens and his father, Roger Clemens, for hanging out today on the Road to Detroit podcast presented by Carhartt. Well, again, we've kind of talked about this throughout the show today, but this is our inherent advantage. We always try to talk about being ahead of the curve. And we talk about the Tigers minor league system. We try to find where their advantage is. And one thing that we know is the advantage of this show is a couple of reasons. Number one, we get a chance to share this with you. Number two, we get a chance to talk to the players themselves the Riley Greens of the world, the Spencer Torkelsons, and Dylan Dinglers. Today it was Cody Clemens, and oh yeah, Roger Clemens joins him for the Father's Day edition today. Our job is to pull back that curtain show you what goes on behind the scenes, and get to know these guys on a level that allows you to say, when they make it to Detroit, just like Matt Manning did this past week, I remember this. Do us a favor, click the subscribe button, share this podcast with someone else, get a chance to hear from Cody Clemens, from Roger Clemens, if you've got somebody who's a Tigers fan. Roger Clemens does not do a lot of talking. He does a lot of work behind the scenes, but because we're the Tigers, there's this inherent advantage built in. Roger Clemens was a great pitcher, but now he's a father of a Tigers minor leaguer. So we get the chance to use that to our advantage. And wasn't he fantastic? Again, my thanks to Cody Clemens and to Roger Clemens for hanging out with us here this week on The Road to Detroit. That's going to do it for Season 2, Episode 3. We're back next week with another episode of The Road to Detroit podcast. And until then...
3: See ya!
1: no one's been part of more first days of work than carhartt and in the same way rookies have to keep earning respect carhartt never stops earning the respect of hard-working people like you from building rugged gear that's tougher than any first day or a worst day of work to re-engineering the classics to outwork the future trust your car to keep doing their job long after you've been doing yours Since 1889, Carhartt's got your back 24-7. Visit carhartt.com or visit a retail store near you.